Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. And I'm Ann Bonney, redhead impersonator and an expert in change management and leadership that people want to follow. Okay, Ann. What are we going to talk about today? Let's talk about reciprocity, Dave. Uh, sorry, what, what is it we're making we need a recipe for? No, <laughs> no, I give to you, you give to me. We like help each other out. I scratch your back, you scratch mine. I do have kind of an itch. I know, right? And you can't really get to that either, right? This back scratcher that extends is the best thing I ever purchased. You have one too! <laughs> best purchase ever. Ladies and gentlemen, if you need a back scratcher that extends to reach those hard to reach places, you can get one at your local hardware store. No, you got the rake. I got the Mine's like, more like a rake. Yours is like a hand. Yeah, it's, it's a creepy it's, little hand. Oh, it's, it's like a, a dragon hand. It's a dragon claw. Yeah. Wow. Mine's yeah. more classy. I, I, I was at, um, I was at a conference actually. And like, I keep a wooden back scratcher, like the, the little four finger one on my bedside because you wake up in the middle of the night and you go and now here i was away and i didn't bring it with me right it doesn't pack real well because it doesn't collapse they had this in the guest oh. in, you know in the uh, and yeah brilliant brilliant all right so reciprocity why should we talk about that what is it believe it or not rest well so so first let's talk about reciprocity is the need and desire we have to return a favor Basically, not necessarily a favor, but somebody does something for you, you feel a need to do it, do something for them. Not necessarily the same thing, but something in return. And this is a deep-seated subconscious thing, isn't it? This is actually, and I haven't read this anywhere, but this is my theory. This is actually an anthropologically developed survival trait that as a species um, is inbred, inbaked into all of us. Probably dating back to the need to be part of the community in order to survive. Well, I mean, that's exactly right. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense when, you know, you're a small band of uh, 25 to 150 people. That's how large I think, you know, tribes or bands of of humans were, you know, pre-civilization. Much more than 150 gets too unwieldy and and fewer than 25, you're really weak, you know, and and so. and if I, I have to do everything by myself and I'm, you know, working just on, on my own and, and then people don't want to hang out with you. And so the, the social structure breaks down. But maybe you're a better hunter than I am. And I'm a really good uh, flint napper. You know, so, so I, I like to take stones of flint and I'm good at breaking them in such a way they become sharp. And you can use them as spearheads or arrowhead tips or whatever. I need to eat. You need sharp weapons. So by me making sharp spear points for you, then all of a sudden you feel like, okay, this is good for me because I don't have to do this and I suck at it, right? The best I would do is like a pointy stick and, and that doesn't work as well. And so you in return start giving to me food. Because now I'm healthier and I'm better able to support you, right? And so 
that's where I believe it comes from, but it still exists today. Oh yeah, totally. And, and it's one of the most commonly recommended techniques with networking is to make sure that you are providing value to people, not only so they see you as value, but perhaps so they want to help you too. Yeah. And, and hidden in that statement right there is the trap of reciprocity as well. What because trap is that, Dave? It's the manipulation trap. Ah, don't, don't, don't. Yeah. I mean, you can't be seen as manipulative. Or the if people think you're only doing it to get something, right, ain't going to work. You're handing them something with your other hand out, right? Yeah, you, you you truly need to go from I am doing this for no other reason, and this is difficult, by the way, because on the one hand you're doing it because you hope that they will reciprocate. At the same time, you have to be detached from that and be okay in your heart if they don't. Yeah. And that's where that authenticity comes in and authentically wanting to bring value to people. A friend of mine was recently sort of re-energizing her email list. And she said, you know, I felt so uncomfortable sending an email and feeling like I was selling every week. And she said, as soon as I shifted my mindset to giving them a gift every week, I give my list a gift of some kind of value, some kind of knowledge, some kind of link or whatever, it suddenly became easy. Because I, I shifted it from, I want to give you something so you give me something back, to I want to give them a gift every week. Right. And we're not attached to the outcome. Right. right. Uh, we, we're, as um, our, our coach, um, your former coach, I guess now, <laughs> you know, you're still coaching your heart. Bill, sure, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Everything she's saying is still echoing in my brain. Right. And, and we'll never go away. I get that. Um, but you know, as she says, put it on the altar. Yep. Okay. And, and I love that expression, right? I, I, I'm just giving this away. And just like, and actually it's a wonderful imagery. If you think about, you know, days when we would sacrifice, yeah, you, you kind of hope that something right. You put it on the altar. You hope that something comes back, but if it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't yep. mean you stop believing in God. Right. You just, yeah. okay, didn't, didn't take for whatever reason. Well, and, and maybe it didn't take in the way you thought it was going to take too, right? We have to remember that all of our efforts may develop into something else that we weren't expecting and might not see, but doesn't mean that they were fruitless. Right. And actually, when you think about, and now that I'm sitting here, and I've, I never considered this before, right, until just a second, and thinking about, when you think about Old Testament and talking about sacrificing on the altar, it wasn't sacrificing to influence God. You weren't sacrificing to say, make it rain or, you know, that in the stories that never works. You're just <laughs> sacrificing out of appreciation. You're saying, look, this is my gift to you. I'm done. Yep. This is my gift. I'm done. I love you. You love me. This is my gift. Done. That's putting it on the altar. Right. So how do we do that in business? Because ultimately, you know, we meet somebody at a conference, we'd love to do business with them. So we want to do this in an authentic, good, non-manipulative, non-icky way. How the heck do we do it? So I think number one is we, we need to be interested enough in them to find out what's important to them. Yeah. You know, um, you know we talked about in a prior podcast about ways of, um, listening, not interrupting, and how that affects things, right? 
all those skills come into play. Be be more interested than interesting. Uh-huh. Well, that's a trite saying, but it's appropriate. Right. And then I think a very simple question, once you understand what's important to them, how can I help? Yeah. Well, and once you've spent the effort to find that out, the way to help just kind of always shows up, right? You read an article, you watch a TED Talk, you meet somebody that you're like, oh, you got to meet Dave Rosenberg. He's like totally into this thing. And that way to authentically give value shows itself. You know, when I call and I, you know, and I've said this before, I spend every morning cold calling prospects for speaking engagements. And I am sincerely calling not to convince them that my program is the best one that they could have, but to find out what their needs are, what they're looking for, what transformation their audience, their members are looking for with association. And then if I'm not, if I don't think my program is the right fit, and I have a pretty narrow niche, it's got narrower this year, strictly looking at accountability and change. I still have my, my I shouldn't say that because it's a fun program and I love it too much, right? So my my uh, Leading When Shift ha- Happens program, I kept, but it's not our accountability. And if it's not one of those two, if they're looking for communications or they're looking for EQ or they're looking for you know any one of a thousand other leadership topics that I could speak on, that's not my thing then i go okay well have you located somebody and if i know a speaker who i can recommend and i've done this countless times yeah i'm like hey let me let me you ought to think about you know ann bonnie she is like the queen of change and you know let let me make a connection for you like you know and i do that and these are not necessarily people who i have some sort of relationship with where I'm going to get something back. In fact, none of them. I'm just doing it because I want them to have a great experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I do the same thing at the end. If after, you know, in my sort of final uh, debrief call or email or whatever, I'll say, Hey, if you need any other speakers, I know a lot of them. That's why I'm involved with the speakers association. Let me know if you need any speakers for future years. I can, I can throw you some, some names and some ideas. And by giving that value, I'm not only giving value to the meeting planner, but I'm giving value to my network of speaking friends in a really authentic way. Yeah, it's exactly right. Um, you know, I, the flip side of this is, is, so it's funny, like all shadow sides of everything, um, the flip side can be so slimy. I think I oh, shared yeah. this story once before, but, you know, we have new listeners all the time. So if, if, you know, you've heard this story, feel free to go get a Coke. Um, that's not right a plug, by, by the way, not a plug for Coca-Cola. Uh, get a pop if you're from the Midwest or get a soda if you're from the East Coast or get a soda pop if you're from one of those places that's agnostic about it. Um, <laughs> I think in Atlanta, they call it Coke. Everything's Coke. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, you know, who knows? At any yeah. rate, we completely digress. So right. thank you. Right. Um, when I was working for Brian at the moving company and we were looking at a new location, he brought in the uh, uh, commercial broker who had found him our current location. And in our conversation with him, I was, you know, we we had just switched to iPhone. These were four S's and I was an Android guy. The only reason I had this iPhone was because the company bought it. Otherwise I, you know, wasn't real happy at the time. And I was, I, I like to, I read for my, Phone, right? You know, I used uh, Kindle and uh, uh, 
Barnes and Nook readers. And that's, that's, I don't buy physical books unless it's not available. Been that way for many, many years. And, and I was bemoaning the fact that I love to read while in my pool. And back then, of course, phones weren't waterproof. And so either I had to be really paranoid and careful or I just didn't do it. Cause I mean, lounging in you know, big lounge chair while water's lapping over you. It's, it's like heaven to me, you know? And uh, he showed up and Brian in the same conversation, Brian's a surfer had mentioned how he didn't have a bag for his longboard or something like that. And like the next meeting, the guy shows up with a longboard bag and, and um, uh, an OtterBox case for my phone. And I'm like, I don't know you, dude. Like, I didn't say this out loud, but I'm like, wow, are you just trying to buy? I don't know if you're the best guy for this or not. And I remember after the meeting left, I looked at Brian, I'm like, I don't want to do, I, I know you have a relationship with him. And, and if you insist, obviously there's nothing I can do. You're the owner. I don't want to do business with this guy because I can't trust him. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, frankly, it was everything that we said to do. It was, he had listened to what you needed. It was a thoughtful thing to do. But it was proportionally out of whack with a new relationship. Like an OtterBox is like 40 bucks. Yeah, and if, if I'm not mistaken, and I could be, he might have mentioned something. And I'm like, dude, I don't need you to buy me an OtterBox. Thank you. Right. Now, here's what would have been appropriate. And I just thought of this. And I've told the story before, but I never thought of this. And this happened circa 2012. So 10 years ago. If he had said, are you familiar with OtterBox? And I didn't know OtterBox at the time. And I've been like, no, what is it? And he said, oh, it's waterproof, blah, 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 blah. And just give me information on it. Right. I have one and I love it. And then send you a link after he leaves the meeting. Here's that OtterBox I talked about. I think this would answer your reading in the pool prayers. Completely different dynamic had that. Right. Happened. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and another thing is like, uh, and this goes back to networking, but I, uh, it's when people immediately try to sell you after they, you know, send you some value. They send you a workshop. They send you an article. Hey, I looked on your LinkedIn and I thought this looked. And so you connect with them and then immediately get the sales pitch. And that is another thing that just irks the heck out of me. And that gets an immediate disconnect from me where I'm like, I don't even care what you do now because you have one goal and you don't give a hoot about me. It's one of the reasons in my newsletter, like I don't have an ad running every week. Right. So I, I've got, I think it's the end of March. I don't have the dates in front of me, folks. So if you're curious, reach out. But I have, you know, a three-week accountability academy coming up. And I might mention it every three or four weeks, probably probably not three weeks, every four weeks in my newsletter because I want people to be aware of it, right? Otherwise, I'm doing them a disservice if they have a need for it and they're not aware of it. That's just as bad as if I'm in their face every week trying to sell it to them. Right. Right. And I also don't want them thinking I'm in their face every week and just trying to sell it to them. Exactly. So, so I, I I don't, you know, it's like, well, what am I getting this newsletter for? Right. Or, or you've seen those newsletters that all they do is push products. It's like, right. That's an unsubscribe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what I do with my list too. I always just give them some value. I think in the, eight months that I've been doing it consistently. I think I've offered something for sale or some offer like three or four times. And once was a nonprofit offer, you know, a, a fundraising thing I was doing over the holidays. So. Right. Yeah. So it's not, I mean, that's even not even really an, like an art. You're not trying to sell something. There's no personal gain there. Right. right. 
And, and if you think about it, what you really were doing is giving people a chance to feel good about themselves by helping other people. See? See what and, a giver I am, Dave? Well, I know what a giver you are. <laughs> seriously, I, I do know how to give you one. That's why you're here with me. That's why, you know, when, when, when Darren got sick, you were my first thought, you know. Um, my last thought, my only thought. Um, <laughs> he doesn't have many thoughts. <laughs> we're friends. Um, it's just you, Anne. Oh, the rest of them are hockey players. They've all gotten hit with pucks one too many times. I oh, just I, married hockey players. So, you know. I got, why is it the puck always finds the place where there's no pads? <laughs> or no mask. My ex-husband had like a big, huge scar on his face because he got hit right in the face with the puck. Well, because he's one of his knuckleheads who plays hockey with just a shield. Half shield, yeah. Well, he yeah. used to. And he did it after that. He used a full face. Yeah, that, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. It's like, okay, you're, you're not a professional. It doesn't actually make sense. Like the pros claim that it, it blocks their vision. I find that hard to believe, but, you know, I think it's more of a macho ego thing because they play with a cage their entire Pee Wee Junior career up until they're 18. You're not allowed to play without it, you know, and then oh, they turn 18 or oh, they get the half shields and then they start losing their chicklets, you know, um, right? And, and they, that's a badge of honor. I don't get it, but <laughs> kind of like the ears, you know? Yeah. P- putting, putting that aside, it's, um, Oh, I don't know how we got on hockey bruises, but yeah. I... <laughs> we were saying you don't have many friends and the ones you did got hit with too many pucks. That explains a lot. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but you got hit with a couple too many pucks. No, I, I caught, I caught one. Of, oh, that's what it was. Cause I caught one Friday night on my inner thigh. That's just, <sighs> ow. Yeah. It's yeah. I hope and, you acted in reciprocity and shot one back at the other person. Well, I was playing defense. So, you know, it, I prevented a goal. So I was blocking a slap shot and, uh, you know, paid the price. So, so <laughs> goalies are really special people because they volunteered to have that happen all the time. Yeah. I married one of those once too. Yeah. I, I understand the once knowing goalies. I got to um, stop getting married. <laughs> Another podcast. So reciprocity. Oh yeah. And authenticity. I mean, I think, I think it is so important and we can use that to our advantage, but really be cognizant of doing it in a respectful and authentic way. Well, and I think what's your intent, it really comes down right. to what, what is your intent? Is your intent to give or is your intent to get? If it's manipulative and you know it, you know it, don't do it. Right. If you can honestly say, and this is the test, if you can honestly say, you know, I'm going to give Anne this Mont Blanc pen because she's always, this isn't a Mont Blanc I'm holding up because I don't actually own one, but right. I'm holding up a pen, folks. You can't see it. I don't know why I have to hold it up because this it's is. It's a Bic. Yeah. It doesn't <laughs> even have the clicker on it, right? It's just the one with the little cap. Yeah. Um, but seriously, if, 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 if Anne said to me, you know, God, I've, I've, I love Mont Blanc pens and, and I've never had one. And I, and I could go like, wow, you know, I have a chance to give this to her as a gift. And if all I got out of it was a thank you, this means so much to me. I'd be like, my heart would be pounding and swelling. I feel so good about myself. Great. If on the other hand, I'm expecting Ann to hire me for a gig or recommend me or whatever it might be. And I give her the pen and six months go by and it's, Ghost and I'm going, why the hell did I give you, right? And you start picturing, like, why, why did I give her that pen? And it just wasted that money. Guess what? Wrong reason. Wrong reason. 
So what do you think about the salesperson, the copier guy or the office supply person who always brings the donuts? Every time they come in, they always bring the donuts and they become the most, yay, John's here. He's got the donuts. Depends on the relationship, right? Is this somebody who's actually got your business already or somebody looking for your business, right? Are they bringing other value or not, you know? In other words, if they're a copier guy, let, let's say let's say they're a repair. Are we talk about a salesman or a repair guy. Right? Let's start there, right? Well, I was thinking sales. Okay, so they don't have your business yet. Like, what's what's going behind that, right? To, to me, that sounds a bit cheesy. Now, let me do it a different way. I've got clients who uh, are looking to uh, work with. Uh, property management companies and what i'm recommending they do and by the way folks here's some free advice for you right what to create this relationship is they offer lunch and learns about this is a, a, a roofing company about how deferred maintenance can you know damage the property bring down property value right all, all the negatives about deferred maintenance how it actually makes it more expensive and it right there's a lot of ton of data there right and bring lunch Okay. There's, there's a lot of solid reason for bringing a lunch. You know, it creates, you know, food creates a better relationship too, but their, their intention there is to educate. Their well, home. and they're also, yeah. And they're also saying, I know that your time is valuable. And so, and I also know you need to eat halfway through the day. So tell you what, I'm going to take some of your time midday, but I'm also going to fill you with food that you would be taking in that time anyway. Right. So in exchange for you giving me the time, I'm giving you the food and I'm giving you knowledge that you need in your profession. And guess what, folks? That knowledge is not contingent upon you doing business with me. Sure. There's the hope that that relationship will generate business. But you're still giving it away without any strings attached. Right. Right. Yep. So that's it. That's bringing that value. Yep. yep. And, and yep. to me, the donuts, the problem there, in addition to being manipulative, is like, well, what if they don't like donuts, you know, or, you know, people are trying, and I'm serious, what are people, who doesn't like donuts? Actually, I'm not a big donut fan unless they're really, really good. Yeah. And folks, Anne was just mouthing, no, me neither, right? Yeah. Right. Most of the time, they're disappointing. You're going like, oh, God, this, I mean, yeah. it's, not that, it's not that they're bad. It's just sort of like, wow, huh. not worth the calories, mm. you know, occasionally. Cinnamon rolls. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> What did you say? Well, we, we, we do have a gourmet donut place downtown San Diego, the donut bar, which, uh, right. But even then, not every day. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, what you perceive might be a plus thing. I'm bringing donuts could end up being like, oh, fuck, there's a guy, you know, now I'm being tempted. Now I have to fight the urge, you know, goddamn right. So there's potential flash, you know, or, or, or negative side to that as well. Yeah. So take celery is what Dave's saying. With ranch dressing. <laughs> See, then you have an option. So hold on. Let's let's shift this for a sec. What about in a leadership role with your team? How can you authentically and respectfully use the law of reciprocity with the people you manage? Well, believe it or not, you probably use it and not realize it, but I'll give you a perfect. So let's talk about just training. Okay. When you train people, and I mean proper training, formal syllabus-based training that covers all the bases, that builds skills on each other, not just sort of follow me around, right? Follow me around sets people up for failure. 
But when you give them skills that build on themselves and you set them up for success, you're actually telling people, look, I'm going to invest the time in you to make sure you have everything you need to be successful at your job. Reciprocity will then enable them to go, you know what? I'm going to do the best job I'm capable of doing because this person, this company, they spent the time with me. Policies. I've said this before. One of my policies was always the answer is yes, unless it has to be no, right? The default, like so time off specifically, right? My default time off policy is yes. There were conditions where it would be no. And those were, so if there's a limited number of people doing the job or, you know, how many people could take off who do the same job at the same time, right? What time, things like that. One week was it, you know, do, do not assume you're going to get two weeks off and buy plane tickets to Europe without first we checking. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But if you're looking for a week off to tell your friends and family, yeah, I'll probably be able to get the time off. Don't guarantee it, but know that I'm going to do everything I can to say yes. Yeah. And communication is another area where I think the law of reciprocity comes into play. Whereas if I am a good communicator, I'm sharing the information when it's available, I think my team's going to be a lot more likely to communicate in an open way as well. Absolutely. And well, that interestingly enough brings another um, element in play, which is modeling. Right? Ah, model, yes. model the behaviors you want seen because people will mimic you. So if, if you're showing up late and leaving early, <laughs> guess what, folks? People are going to be doing the same. Yeah. And I don't mean... You're showing up late because you had a, a meeting and they know you had a meeting. I mean, like, you're like, you have a meeting every morning until 930 and they have to be there at 730, right? And they know that's not true also. And you've got a Starbucks cup in your hand when you arrive. Right. Yeah. Or you don't, you show up and then you go, oh, I got to go out to Starbucks, right? There's a lot of behaviors we can do. Yeah. People will reciprocate, but not necessarily the way you want. Right. Yep. And you got to look at what are you modeling that that they're seeing? And so I always say, you know, when you when you have challenging behaviors with your team, you got to ask, okay, what are they seeing? What is the norm? What is the expectation? Well, and, and I think I mentioned this the other week ago, but in um, the, the book Busting Loose, right from um, uh, the money game, where he talks about how people are put in our lives for one of three reasons. And the first of those three reasons is to reflect something about you, right? So when you see something you don't like other people are doing, chances are, look look home because it's- Yeah, and it's uncomfortable to do. And really rewarding if you can force yourself to do it. That's right. All right. Well, I'd like to be respectful of our listeners' time. As do I, Dave. As as the new co-host, I do also like to be very respectful of our audience. All right. Well, <laughs> then um, until next week. Thank you. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. This is Dave Rosenberg, and you can find my website at LockedOnLeadership.com. And this is Ann Bonnie at YourChangeSpeaker.com. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them.